Fun fact, back in the late 1870s, when Black folks took over July 4th celebrations in a big way, they came up with a special dance called the Tulalu. They would bust out this dance at the Black Independence Day celebrations happening in the Charleston area. Now, this dance was like a way for the formerly enslaved to have a good time, right? But it also was a way of making fun of like the bougie elite courtship rituals of their former enslavers. So it had a two purpose, okay? It was for them to have a good time during July 4th, but it was also an opportunity for them to make fun of the white elitist bougie courtship rituals that they witnessed during slavery. Clever, don't you think? Now, I imagine this toodaloo dance is like when you go to the cookout and people do the electric slide or the cupid shuffle, except the toodaloo was a little bit more spicy because it was making fun of, right, those white enslavers, how they dated and whatnot. I mean, one article explained that one year the dance started at 8 a.m. and went all the way to midnight, practically from sunup to sundown. The dance even had a little song. I'm going to try it right now. Don't make fun of me, y'all. Go hunt your lover to the loo. Go find your lover to the loo. Nice little lover to the loo. And I love to the loo. So that's kind of how the song went. Now, <laughs> I told you a lot in this fun fact about the to I mean, I even gave you the lyrics, but we will learn even more about it when you keep on listening to this episode. So that is today's fun fact. Black folks did the toodaloo dance that poked fun at white folks' courtship during Black Independence Day celebrations in the late 1870s. Whew, that was a lot. (laughs) Welcome back to That Wasn't In My Textbook, our bi-weekly podcast that helps us uncover the things we always wish we learned from that boring, bulky textbook. I'm your host, Toya, and you're now listening to Season 4, Episode 10 on the untold history of a Black July 4th celebrations. And in today's episode, as you can already tell by the title and the fact, we are going to talk about when America's Independence Day was Black as fuck. We'll explore when and why Black folks turn July 4th into a Black holiday, how these Black Independence Day celebrations looked back then. We're going to look at that as well. And then we're also going to look at why did these Black July 4th celebrations eventually end? And that's not all. We're also going to take a quick look at how July 4th has played a big role throughout history, more than just fireworks and barbecues, okay? And we'll discover how it has served as a platform for various political movements throughout the years. Now, if you live in America, you're about to experience another three-day weekend for July 4th. July 4th weekend usually means barbecues, cookouts, hot dogs, hamburgers, drinking, everything decked out in red, white, and blue, okay? And of course, there's fireworks, you know, those colorful bursts that light up the sky. I mean, how could I forget about the fireworks, right? Now, usually you start hearing fireworks about one or two weeks before July 4th. They start popping off in your neighborhood. You know, people are just letting fireworks go off. And it's low-key kind of cool and also kind of annoying at the same damn time, especially for the poor dogs out there who are scared of them. 
I have a dog, Lennox. I don't know if I've shared that on this podcast. He is not afraid of fireworks. Thank goodness. But today we're going to dive into a different side of July 4th. We're going to be talking about when July 4th was black as fuck. In fact, this episode was actually the second episode that I've ever recorded on this podcast when I first released it in 2020. It's been three years since then, and I thought it was about time that I re-recorded it, added more historical tidbits, and make it even better. Because listen, y'all, I listened to that old episode, and um, you know, the sound wasn't really that good. The storytelling wasn't really that good. I clearly wasn't comfortable on the mic yet, um, but it was nice to listen to it and see, you know, you got to start somewhere. <laughs> so it was nice to see how far we have come on this podcast and the audio experience. So this is the new improved version of this episode on the history of 4th of July when it was a black holiday. So let's jump into the history. Before we begin, you know, we first got to make sure we're on the same page and understand exactly what July 4th is. So before I start giving you all the nitty gritty details and the tea on these Black July 4th celebrations, I got to give you a little more history than normal. Um, So July 4th is the day that America broke free from Great Britain, declaring independence from Great Britain in 1776, hence why July 4th is also known as Independence Day. So that makes us about, I don't know, like 247 years old. Damn, America, we're old. Happy birthday. Because you see, back in the 1770s, there were about 13 colonies in what we now know as America, which is basically like 13 states. And these colonies had to answer to Great Britain, okay? They had to let them know everything that was going on. They had to pay them taxes. Great Britain was in control of the imports and exports. Great Britain was making laws, all of that. Essentially, Great Britain had their hands in America's pockets. They had us on lock, okay? And so the people in these colonies got fed up with having to answer to Great Britain. And so an eight-year broke out. And in the end, America won their independence. And so July 4th, 1776 is America's birthday, which is why we have this federal holiday and this three-day weekend. Now, July 4th, independence is also associated with the Declaration of Independence, right? Which is a document that was written in that same year that we got independence, 1776. I should stop saying we. I should say America got independence because my black ass was probably a slave. Um, So America got their independence in 1776. So the Declaration of Independence was written around that time. And that document reads... We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. You may or may not have heard that in your textbooks. And now we know that doesn't really hold true for a lot of people then and now, but we'll talk about that later. So usually this holiday is also associated with that document and that important line. And it was drafted by a couple of men known as our founding fathers, or what I call white dudes who enslaved black people. And some of these enslavers included, aka founding fathers, included Thomas Jefferson, James Adams, George Washington, Benjamin Franklin, Alexander Hamilton. They all signed this document along with some other folks. But these dudes take credit for uniting these 13 colonies and managing the War of Independence, leading that. So after the Revolutionary War, July 4th was pretty much a white holiday. Because remember, 
Black folks were enslaved and not equal. We were not considered equal people. And so white Americans from every corner of the country had annually marked the 4th with feasts and parades and lots and lots of alcohol, according to history. And Black folks, of course, we were enslaved and we had a lot less enthusiasm because one, um, encountering white folks, according to history, during this holiday was pretty dangerous. In fact, like Black people were not out on the 4th or trying to be in the mix or anywhere about. And two, because this independence and freedom of July 4th excluded Black people, right, with the reality of slavery. But then things started to change. Black folks saw an opportunity with July 4th as a chance to speak up and fight for our rights, as a chance to show America how it was one big fucking hypocrite, right? And so a lot of Black people, activists and stuff started using this day as a platform to stage a demand to end slavery and to point out the contradictions between the grand ideas of the Declaration of Independence that all men are created equal, and the harsh reality of slavery. It was a powerful way to make their voices heard and push for change. So some of you may be familiar with Frederick Douglass's 1852 speech, What to the Slave is the 4th of July. Douglass delivered this famous speech on July 5th, 1852 in Rochester, New York, at a meeting organized by the Rochester Ladies of Anti-Slavery Society. That year, Douglas gave this speech when slavery was at its height, and it has a lot of good quotables. I think the most two famous quotes that you'll hear from this speech by Douglas is, quote, I am not included within the pale of this glorious anniversary. Your high independence only reveals the immeasurable difference between us, end quote. Another quote from this, what to the slave is the 4th of July from Douglas is, quote, what to the American slave is your 4th of July? I answer, a day that reveals to him more than all other days of the year, the gross injustice and cruelty to which he is a constant victim, end quote. So we see Frederick Douglass use this day to call America out, like, I ain't independent, I'm not celebrating this, and you need to practice what you preach. And prior to Douglas, there was a freedman named William Watkins, who made waves back in 1831, and he wrote a newspaper article highlighting the contradictions of independence, right? He called out the contradictions of that line of these self-evident truths that all men are created equal. He challenged America to practice what they preach, right? If all men are created equal, then why is there still slavery? And that's pretty much what his article said. So nine years after Douglas asked what to the slave is the 4th of July, the Civil War broke out. And that's when July 4th started to shift. After the Civil War and the emancipation of enslaved Black folks, July 4th took on a whole new meaning. By July of 1863, six months after the Emancipation Proclamation was issued, Douglas had happily embraced the day as, quote, our festive day of freedom, end quote. Remember, prior to the emancipation that ended slavery, July 4th, was a celebration only for white people, right? Because black folks were enslaved. But after the Civil War, 
Southern whites were bitter and salty from their defeat. They had fought tooth and nail to withdraw from the country, so they weren't feeling the idea of celebrating the birth of a nation that they fought against. They were basically like, fuck 4th of July. On the other hand, Southern Black folks had a whole new different outlook on the day. They had finally achieved emancipation and freedom. They saw July 4th as an opportunity to turn up and celebrate their hard-won liberty and embrace the joys of the holiday that once excluded them. They transformed it into something special, a powerful expression of hope, resilience, and cultural pride. During the era of Reconstruction, which took place roughly between 1863 and 1877, there was a divide between white Southerners and black Southerners. And it just became more and more pronounced, right? While Southern white folks boycotted July 4th, the nation's 4 million newly emancipated citizens transformed Independence Day into a celebration of black freedom. Community gatherings, parades, festivities became a common sight as black folks marked their new independence on July 4th. Now, one particular celebration we all should know about that definitely wasn't in our textbooks took place in Charleston, South Carolina. Now, you see, the place to be on the 4th was Charleston. According to history, the Black folks down there had the littest celebrations. Their celebrations went a little something like this. Year after year, a grand tradition unfolded in South Carolina. Thousands of Black South Carolinans eagerly lined up along city streets, arriving early with anticipation. What awaited for them was a sight to be seen, a sight that has never been seen before because remember, Black folks were enslaved. That sight was Black militant companies proudly marching through the parade. Now, these were no ordinary-ass soldiers. These were heroes in their own right. Many of them formerly enslaved individuals that helped win the Civil War and had overcome unimaginable racist-ass challenges. With their heads held up high as fuck, they marched in unity, a powerful symbol of resilience and triumph. These remarkable military companies honor the legacies of abolitionists and other black heroes by naming themselves after them, like there was the Lincoln Rifle Guard and the Douglas Light Infantry. Now, the parade didn't just have brave black men going up and down the streets, but it also included black women, which was a big progressive idea back then. Remember, we're talking about the 1860s and the 1870s, y'all. The black women parading in the streets were hardworking domestic workers and washerwomen who belonged to the Daughters of Zion and the Sisters of Zion, charitable societies in Memphis, Tennessee. Year after year, they proudly marched in parades, making their presence known, okay, and refusing to be silenced. One particular remarkable moment was in the 1875 parade. Picture this. A carriage carrying a queen for the day. It was a bold statement, a powerful claim, and kind of like a fuck you to the respectability that white society all too often denied black women. Look, 
These July 4 celebrations were challenging gender norms in the 1970s and racism, okay? One year, the parade even had a coffin being carried that had slavery written across the top. And it was supposed to represent the death of slavery. Look, black folks were out there on the 4th making bold statements, period. After the lively parade, everyone would gather at the White Point Garden. And that's where the real action began. It was a litty situation with people cooking. There were various vendors selling stuff and it was an atmosphere that I imagine was kind of like you know a black family reunion meets a summer cookout folks would find their people and set up cozy little picnics and then a series of events would unfold one person would read the declaration of independence followed by another reading the 13th amendment you know, the added part to the U.S. Constitution that officially abolished slavery. Then there would also be a list of people doing wonderful, beautifully written political speeches, poems, um, charged with meaning and purpose. And then, of course, there was dancing, y'all. Go hunt your lover, Tulu. Go find your lover, Tulu. Nice little lover, Tulu. And I love Tulu. The popular dance of the time was called Toodaloo, which we discussed in the fun fact at the beginning of the episode when I sang, which we just, you heard me sing again. Thank you for listening. (laughs) And it was kind of like a ring dance. It involved about a dozen people, six men and six women forming circles around one another, singing and clapping the Toodaloo song. And they would sing the song, urging the woman in the center to pick a suitor. And she would eventually pick a suitor, aka a partner, right? And the two would take center stage in the middle of the circle and go off in pairs. And then the next lady would then hop in the middle, right? And then select her lover from the circle of men. And it would just keep going like that until everyone is paired off. And it was a dance filled with call and response, singing, and clapping, Historians explain that the Tutaloo dance was a fusion of ancient African traditions with popular culture of the 19th century America. It drew inspiration from ring dance cultures, particularly those found in sub-Saharan Africa. It's also been linked to like the Gullah people of New Orleans, kind of like these dance traditions. So these dances have roots in, you know, Africa. So they were brought over from the transatlantic slave trade, kind of like how I mentioned about red food and red drink in the Juneteenth episode, which you should listen to if you haven't. Um, And so, like I mentioned earlier, this dance known as the Tootaloo allowed these newly free people who were formerly enslaved to make fun of the bougie courtship rituals of whites that they had observed before their liberation. It was a clever way for Black folks to enjoy a good laugh and a dance at the same damn time. But as Black folks enjoyed their newly found freedom, there were some Southern white folks who weren't really feeling Black folks embrace on July 4th. Their resentment grew as Black individuals claimed the day and made it as their own. Reports suggest that there were a lot of tight Southern white folks that renamed the day the dreadful day or even called it the day of the nigger with a hard ER. I think I could say that because I'm black, but damn, that's fucked up. And they use that, right, to emphasize their disdain. 
Initially, despite the negativity, Black folks continued to embrace July 4th, transforming it into a meaningful holiday, right? Making it a lit day in Charleston, like we just learned about. But over time, as history has showed us time and time again, efforts were made to suppress the enthusiasm of Black folks on this day. After the Union armies pulled out of the South, white supremacist groups like the KKK slowly but surely put an end to Black independence celebrations. They deaded those days by intimidation, violence. Um, They used those tools, right, to mean control and erase not only the Black celebrations of July 4th, but any progress that was made during Reconstruction and ending the Black July 4th celebrations for good. And that's how Black July 4th came and went. Now, I thought it was interesting for us to also know about other political movements and events that happen on July 4th. Throughout history, the 4th of July has been more than just the typical celebrations of cookouts and fireworks. Activists and political movements following the steps of leaders like Frederick Douglass and William Watkins have used America's birthday to draw attention to the ongoing struggles for civil rights and equality. Some important events that occurred on July 4th that we should know that definitely wasn't in our textbooks include the following. Number one, on July 4th, 1917, the debut of The Voice, a newspaper for the Negro, came out. And it was edited by Hubert H. Harrison, and the newspaper made its entrance during a rally at a church in Harlem, which, you know, I always love to bring up Harlem. So yeah, on July 4th, 1917, The Voice, a newspaper for the New Negro, came out. And it significantly was a way for Black people to communicate with one another across states during the civil rights movement, right? And the New Negro movement. Number two, moving ahead to July 4th, 1963, Hundreds of individuals participated in a nonviolent protest against the segregation policies of Gwen Oak Amusement Park that was in Baltimore, Maryland. The third movement that used July 4th is one that was marked by the LGBTQ plus community. And on July 4th, 1965, four gay and lesbian activists held the first annual reminder demonstration in Philly that was held symbolically in front of Independence Hall. Their goal was to draw attention to the civil rights that still needed to be given to the LGBTQ plus community. The fourth event that you should know that used July 4th was led by Martin Luther King. And he did his on July 4th, 1965. And he delivered a speech called The American Dream, offering his powerful insights on Independence Day. He said things like this during that speech. So every person of goodwill in this nation is called upon to work passionately and unrelentingly to realize the American dream and the persons who are working to do this are not dangerous agitators, they are not dangerous rabble-rousers, but they are the persons working to save the soul of America. And then one of the last political movements that we should know that used July 4th 
was more recently on July 4th, 2013. And it was rallies all across the U.S. that protested against the National Security Agency's spying program that was exposed by whistleblower Edward Snowden earlier that year. The organizers used the Fourth Amendment right to emphasize the right to privacy and protection against unreasonable searches and seizures. So... I don't know if y'all remember that. And they did like a whole movie on Edwin Snowden that I actually watched recently, but it was a protest in 2013 that swept the nation. And it was kind of going against what Edwin had showed us that like the U.S. is spying on us right through our phones, through the cameras on our computers. And so that protest happened on July 4th, 2013. And these events are reminders that July 4th has served as a significant backdrop for activists and movements to advocate for civil rights, to call America out for not practicing what they preach when it comes to equality, right? Challenging unjust practices and bringing attention to critical issues facing our society. Because these events back then and the events of today are reminders that sadly, we're not free, right? We're still not free. Not all of us are free. And so that is kind of the conclusion of this episode on when Black folks were celebrating July 4th. Now, I think I also just have to briefly touch on, because we just had Juneteenth last weekend, and this is a July 4th episode, right? And before I can conclude, let's explore the relationship between Juneteenth and the 4th of July. Juneteenth, remember, is about celebrating the ending of slavery and in particularly the ending of slavery in Texas, those last groups of enslaved folks being told they were free in Galveston, Texas. That's what Juneteenth is about. And so those celebrations have gained increased recognition, of course, in this past years and are more inclusive and representative of the holiday for Black Americans. While July 4th is more about the independence of America, the creation of the Declaration of Independence, and what that means, right, for all people then and now. Like, we're supposed to be upholding this document, this Declaration of Independence. And so, as we talk about Black folks, as we talk about LGBTQ folks, as we talk about anything, we have to talk about equality and rights. And so, Those are kind of the differences. One is about the ending of slavery. One is about the ending of being connected to Britain and the creation of the Declaration of Independence, which says that we hold these truths that all men are created equal. And so Juneteenth reminds us of the struggles we endured and the resilience showed by Black communities, while the 4th of July challenges us to reflect on the ideals and the promises of the nation. Now, Okay, I think I got it all out. (laughs) That is the conclusion of this episode on when July 4th was a black holiday. Now I know I sandwiched in when July 4th was a black holiday with some other important things because we just needed to know them. I need to make sure we were on the same page. I kind of needed to do it in a certain order so we have important background information. And then of course, you know, I had to end it with some other important things in history that happened on July 4th, because history is not just about what happened in the past. It's what's happening this very second. We're making history every day, baby. So I hope you learned something new today. I know I did. I didn't realize how salty Southern white folks were 
after Reconstruction that they pretty much gave up the whole damn holiday. Like they protested it, you know, by just not celebrating it. I also enjoyed learning about just like the details of the Charleston's parade, um, how they were extra lit and progressive for the time by including women, how they were like metaphoric with the coffin and everything. And they had a queen of the day. And even of course, the Toodaloo dance that shaded Southern white folks on the low. Um, That shit was clever, you know? (laughs) If you enjoyed this episode and learned something new and made it this far, I would love it if you could help a sister out and drop some stars and a couple of lines and leave a review. We're trying to step our review numbers up. I think we're in the 70s. I'm trying to get to the 100s, y'all. So wherever you're listening, scroll down on that platform. You can usually see a little line that says, write a review. More reviews means the Apple and Spotify podcast algorithms will be nice to us. Show it to more people to help our community of podcast lovers expand and grow. And if you've already left a review, let me just say thank you. Okay, I need to be grateful. Thank you so much for doing that. I appreciate you. You're an A1 from day one. And if you feel like it, maybe just share an episode with a friend, right? If you've already left a review. As usual, follow us all over the interwebs as that wasn't in my textbook. We have a Pinterest. We have a YouTube. YouTube's a little dead right now, but it's coming back. Um, And then if you want to follow me, your host, Toya, I am at Toya from Harlem in every corner of the internet. And that's it for all my announcements. Next episode, we will be starting our summer session. So make sure you come back. That's not the next Friday, but after that. So July 14th, we will kick off our summer session. And happy July 4th. Do people say that? Happy July 4th. I hope you enjoy your weekend. And until next time, remember, knowledge is power. Bye.